The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kenga kiriro o te motu raro mai kia on the rag ho kone ipurangi monga mana wahine. Citizens of the nation, welcome to On the Rag, a podcast for and about the mana of women. Ko Alex Casey aho. I am joined as always this month by Leonie Hayden. Kia ora. And Michelle Court. Hello. How is everybody doing? We're great. <laughs> There's going to be some chaotic energy on the podcast today, I Look, feel. it's Pisces season and Mercury, Mercury and retrograde. So. Is it? God, I hate that retrograde, retrograde shit. Yeah. I believe in Mercury. Mm-hmm. I do. It's well, a, that's good because everyone's it, shitting on him right now, so oh. I need someone to believe in him. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's been a lot of – is that what? Anyway. <laughs> um we have to begin with some housekeeping, uh, some some on the rag on the rag news. That uh, I am actually leaving the spinoff in April, which is crazy and exciting and terrifying. It's really exciting. And sad and I am weird. so happy for you. I think it's a bit random. <laughs> I think it's a bit <laughs> the more I think about it now. You know what's weird? So I have taken a, a new job, probably the only thing I would ever leave the spin-off for, which is a position at Warner Brothers New Zealand working on their reality television shows. Which is a so. job made for you. <laughs> so, Alex Casey. Thank you, thank you. But um, the day that I resigned, I got my period. <laughs> and I was like, did I just do all of this because of PMS? <laughs> I literally had the thought. <laughs> I can't trust myself. Yes. Well, I know that I I buy terrible clothes when I'm (laughs) premenstrual. I come out with, you know, pants that don't fit. So maybe (gasps) think about it. It's all a PMS fever dream. (laughs) Oh, cool. We'll see you back here at the spin in a few months. (laughs) It's all out of my system now. Um, But, yes, so I I, I will be leaving for at least a while (laughs) until I figure out my hormones. And... um, But we've been having some conversations here about kind of the future of On The Rag as it stands. You may or may not know, we're also it's very excited to be making season two yes. of our web series, which we go into mm-hmm. kind of quite an intense production schedule in the next couple of weeks, yeah. which is very exciting. Um, and that's going to keep you entertained for the pretty much the whole year. It will be rolling out, I think, yeah. until... Mm-hmm. Probably December. Um, we've got 80 episodes and some very exciting topics. But I thought, given that um, 
will be making there and there's just these sort of life changes that the podcast as it currently stands is going to go on a little bit of a hiatus. We're just going to give it a rest, give it a, a little a little lie down. Give it a nice sleep. I think sometimes feminists just need a sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a nana nap for the pod. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not it's not goodbye forever. It's it's a bit of a one direction indefinite hiatus, yeah. you know? Yeah. And look at their solo careers now. I know, they're just blooming most of them except for Louie. Watermelon sugar. I don't know. Yeah. He's but, got a kid. Oh, true. So, so we'll keep you amused with uh, <laughs> with the with the web series for the whole year, and we promise that we will come back at the end of the year for, for sure, if not yes. before. Yeah. With a here's here's what we did, and and what did you do, and what what's the world like? I'm mean, that's assuming the world's still here. Well, exactly. We don't know. Yeah. Mercury. I would like to talk about coronavirus. <laughs> are we ready? Are we prepared? I read the incredible. We were talking about it just before. Um, Susie Wiles wrote, "Well, I think it's, it's it's a useful piece. It's saying don't panic, but be prepared." Yes, and then induced a lot of panic. I freaked out. <laughs> it's um, if Susie says that I need to lay in enough food for two weeks, I I I'm suddenly going to go and lay in food for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I said I started looking at the pantry, and I was like, "Oh my god, the cats!" Like. We need a stockpile, but hey, can it's all cats right. get coronavirus? No, but you might not be. A, well, I don't know. Actually, I just I just dismissed that out of hand <laughs> with no knowledge whatsoever. Yeah. But if you were isolated in your house, this is the suggestion that if you had to self isolate for two weeks, who's going to feed the cat? Exactly. I mean, who's going to get the cat food? Is what I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of unknowns. They'll just feast on your rotting corpse in the kitchen <laughs> that is for a true. while. Be that fine. is true. They'll be true. sitting there going, are you dead yet? Are yeah. you dead yet? Because oh, I can't <laughs> just nibble on that. So that's dark. Okay. That is dark. That's really dark. <laughs> be prepared, everyone. <laughs> You're going to miss all this good chat, aren't you? All this <laughs> feminist discourse about cats eating rotting corpses. <laughs> I bought some masks, and then Michelle informed me just before that the masks only help if you've got the virus. They don't really help you not get it. Yeah, because it's kind of it's droplets, so it's more likely to go hand to face. Uh, And if you're wearing a mask, you'll be fiddling. This is Susie again. You'll be Mm. fiddling with your mask so often that you're more likely to infect yourself. Spread it all over your face. Yeah, yeah. I've also seen something on Twitter doing the rounds. Apparently. Uh, men or, or people with beards, I should say, who wear the masks need to be careful about their facial hair configuration because certain, uh, for example, a goatee or more of a neck beard or a chin strap, for example. <laughs> All the best ones. <laughs> All your boyfriend's beards. The, the ones you love. Can kind of uh, mess up the mask and make the droplets come out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's what she said. Um <laughs> Okay, so I told you this was going to be a chaotic podcast. I don't know who I am anymore. Let's talk about Hannah Tamaki. Yeah. I don't know her. Wow. <laughs> what a saga this week. What a saga. So it kind of did, I think it kind of came out last Sunday. Yeah. The, the, there was a spy sort of Hannah Tamaki sources close to her confirm that she's going to be a Dancing with the Stars. And I was really certain it was going to be fake. Yes. I was like, this is, how... Does a decision like that get through so many people? Yeah. (laughs) How does anybody walk out of that meeting and going, well, that was a clever idea. Let's move forward with that. And then it was, as it turns out, it's the second time they'd offered because Mm. she posted about it in 2018, about how she'd 
um, girls should not dance around in their knickers and how she, as a decent Christian woman, had turned down Dancing with the Stars because Jesus wouldn't be into it. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Girls in their knickers. So twice... Executives of a national TV show have gone. You know, it'd be great talent. Somebody who's really a homophobic. That lady that hates mm. Muslims and queer people. So yeah, amazing. And I, I think it's, uh, one of the things that really hit me was the disconnect between the people who make those kinds of decisions and the people who actually work for mm. the organisation. And I thought Kanoa Lloyd's mm. piece on the project, her op-ed on the Monday, was superb and quite courageous, mm-hmm. not just of her, but of that the whole team who work on that show because they were basically, well, they were, they were saying our um, employers have made a terrible decision and we'd like them to not do that, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that brave act was repaid with some of the most heinous, oh. threatening language and behaviour yeah. one could possibly imagine, including from the campaign manager of Disney Church's political party, Vision NZ. Can I just ask, uh, maybe nobody knows this, but the whole idea of women bleeding out of their eyes, what the, what is that about? Because I've heard it. I mean, it's a very biblical reference. Yeah, Trump. Is it, it's about, is it? Is it about periods? Well, when Trump said it, it was. It was about um, <laughs> Megan out Kelly of her whatever. bleeding out of her eyes, bleeding out of her whatever, yeah, suggesting that oh. she was menstruating and therefore irrational. But the, it's just that thing about rotten pig bleeding out of I, I don't understand the bleeding. It's, I'm sorry, this is a distraction, but it's just. it seems like this is a, yeah. a an insult that I have come to very late in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not your run of the mill, yeah. is it? No. It's not, yeah. No. Your I, mean, I don't know thing. if it's an Ebola reference. I don't know what's yeah. going on. That was, of course, Javan Golter. Who, yeah. Javan, who was Posted asked there. to no longer be the campaign manager for Vision NZ, although I gather they're all mates still. Yeah. It's funny also to be like, that's where we draw a line. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. All that other stuff is all good. <laughs> yeah. But um, as someone pointed out in the office, I can't remember who it was, and of kind of, well, it's not funny, but an interesting wrinkle of that was the initial meme that he posted with that, not meme, but the, the infographic <laughs> that had that horrible phrase printed on it was put over a photo of himself. Yeah, that's weird. Like a kind of branded Jovan photographic oh. background. It was just a lot. It was so, a lot. Yeah. But, man, Kanoa and our own Emily Wright Emily uh, wrote a piece about it and just went through hell. Like, she was posting some of the stuff that people were saying about her and what read, like, really, like, actual death threats. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are. There's yeah. people saying. So all that. kinds of people, not just men as well, men and women. It's very disappointing. But also, as Emily pointed out, so uh, Destiny Church has this group called Man Up where they teach men to be more responsible in their lives and for their families, except for their methodology is really fucked because it's Destiny Church. Yeah. So they've been trying to get all this government funding for Man Up and they can't because they can't prove any of their methodology and actually the people who go through it are probably not better off. Yeah. And so there's all these men who are supposedly part of that program who are threatening Emily with violence. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if your program's working, bro. No, it's supposed to be about anger management. Yes. Their PR person was so... Uh, volcanic with rage that he um, posted something that is actually illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so, nah. So, great decision by everyone who didn't give Man Up any funding. But yeah. also, uh, and guys. I guess one of the things that I took out of it as a positive was that it really exposed 
what those people are like. And, you know, like Brian Tamaki, it's gone now, but I, I've got a screenshot. Uh, he posted about how the media and the entertainment industry is full of um, terrible people. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> with a photograph <laughs> of um, uh, Jacinda Ardern and Helen Clark wearing hijab. And uh, and Kanoa, a screenshot of her looking very angry, and it, it makes you go, "Oh, I, I totally see what you're on about now. You you <laughs> you are um, racist, and you are all the things, xenophobic, yeah. homophobic. You have just proved everything that we that we thought. So, can I read the list of things? that yes, the, the media are. Please, can I can I tell you which ones I am? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tag yourself. <laughs> Uh, so, <clears throat> Bishop Brian Tamaki, huge old quotation marks around Bishop, <laughs> a venomous, dirty, yep. liberal uh-huh. left, sexually yep. confused, uh-huh. effeminate, yeah. booze-drenched, yes. antichrist, <laughs> yep. false wannabes, mm-hmm. double negative, relationally messed up, insecure <laughs> people have yeah. risen in New Zealand. The media are full of them along with the social and entertainment industries, full stop, real men slash woman singular. Hallelujah. And then what's that photo of? And then a photo of three men in the bush wearing so um, polar fleeces. That's <laughs> the post that originally had Kano looking angry, Jacinda and Helen in hijab. So they just and replaced it down. with so three he random bros. Three random bros who look <laughs> a bit military but without <laughs> weapons. Just they, doing like a shaka bra as well. They've all got shaka hands, but one of them's holding a couple of thermoses so he can't. <laughs> I hope that's he's, like, he's trying too. though. He's straining yeah. to get the shaka out. I, oh. Like, does why, why is effeminate bad for one uh, thing? Mm-hmm. But also if you do believe in a gender binary, you know, and, and the media has lots of women in it, why again would women in the media be like, "Oh, you called me effeminate"? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, ladies, is like, gay to be effeminate? Like, <laughs> what is he on about? Yeah. Oh dear. False wannabes, as opposed to the real wannabes. <laughs> anyway, enough about that guy. Enough about that enough guy. About it, um, well, the the outrage worked in this instance. It did. You know? It did. It had the correct result. Mm. I, All the I, false wannabes out yeah. there, mm. you know. So we can soak ourselves in booze and celebrate. <laughs> We're all antichrists. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite interesting in comparison to another, I guess, what the likes of Sean Plunkett, et cetera, would categorise as online kind of PC gomad snowflake outrage. But in this instance, this next story was something that was actually kind of it wasn't founded entirely in the true story. The story that came out about a school, I think it was in Southland somewhere, James Hargist, 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 don't know, media wannabe, um, <laughs> that were actually girls at the school who wanted to wear shorts were having to go to counselling before they made the decision. And and that kind of headline went out and obviously you're like, Whoa. What? That's completely that's completely crazy. And there was there was a whole there was a whole bunch of sort of Twitter snafus. What's the word? Yeah, uh, brouhaha. I love that word. Alice too. Neville taught me about that word. Um, <laughs> and then our own Madeline Chapman at the spinoff called to school, and there was actually kind of a different story behind it, which also highlighted an equally kind of terrifying thing, which was that the girls who were choosing to wear shorts were getting bullied really quite aggressively by their peers, and the counselling was not sort of a are you confused about your gender or anything like that? It was 
Be preempting, ready. yeah, preempting some quite vile, uh, yeah, bullying. So Amazing. it's there's a, there was a story behind the story, and I think it still, as Mad says, kind of highlights quite a, another really big problem that it was so bad that the school had to kind of step in to warn people just about. That, that kids can't handle going from a skirt to having yeah. a, a little gap. And the yeah, it is incredible. It, I mean, part of it wasn't it that they don't have shorts cut for female students yet. So they were wearing the boys' right. shorts from the shop rather than, yeah, and, and, like, and, the, and yet there's a fashion for the, you know, the boyfriend jean and the boyfriend shirt. You know, the wearing yeah. men's mm. clothing is not, this is not ridiculous. No. And uh, I don't understand. I also, um, yeah, I find it really, when I was uh, at, when I was in high school in 1974, <laughs> which is true, um, I campaigned for girls to be able to wear trousers, uh, and we and we got it, we made it happen, and and it took. It was you know you had to go and present your case to the, the, the school council and blah 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 blah. But that's how many years ago is that? Is that forty years ago? 40. More forty five? Yeah, something. I don't know. Um, and it, so it's, it blows me away that. There, there are schools that still don't have a, a female uniform or a unisex uniform that involves trousers and shorts. Yeah, it is mm. weird. For warmth and coolness. Mm. So, Jumping yeah. over fences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All those sorts of things you yeah. need to do. Yeah. And also, when has a uniform been well tailored to a body? <laughs> that is true. Ever <laughs> yeah. In the history of all. And even things. if it was, you're pubescent and, exactly. and your body changes every week. Well, and also, you know, like all bodies are wonderful, but prepubescent people are very uncomfortable in their bodies. Uh-huh. So even well tailored stuff just looks like it fits mm. badly when you're <laughs> 10 and 11 and 12 because you just don't know what to do with your limbs. No. No. I remember being so ashamed going to the Auckland girls' school shop and the lady, like, giving me a top and then being like, okay, we'll give you a couple sizes up because those are going to come in and point <laughs> into my chest. And me being like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, just so embarrassed. Those Don't are going to come in. <laughs> and that woman has just looked like, at, like, 80,000 pairs <laughs> of adolescent breasts, so she's just telling it like it is. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. She's like... Boom projections. Ollivanders, the guy with the wands at the beginning of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Those breasts require a size 12 jumper. She just knew. It was weird. <laughs> um, the other thing in this story was that, yeah, like you kind of mentioned, they are actually getting tailored shorts. Yeah. It's just, and once they're in, the counselling goes away. It was just sort of an interim, yeah, thing to kind of, Patch up but there's some weird pushback going on from peers, peer-to-peer nastiness mm. about gender identity that, um, ooh, makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially it's like, I imagine for the most part, it really does just look the same. It's, I would think so. It's and, a uniform. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, and what do you wear at home, you know, over the weekend? Shorts. Yeah. So, yeah, Weird. Weird, weird. But very good example of how there's stories behind stories and sometimes there's things are complex and nuanced and you just have to talk to people instead of arguing about it online. Yeah. Yeah. I did have to feel a little bit sorry for if it was, I think, the principal that she spoke to was sort of like, 
Ah, yeah. We're trying <laughs> to do the right thing. Everyone's yeah. screaming at us and we don't know what we've done. But, yeah, I did also see a lot of people on Twitter kind of once that story came out be like, oh, yeah, I kind of jumped to conclusions here, which, uh, yeah. you know, I did. I think a lot of people did just reading those headlines. Um, but, yeah, shorts. Certified good by On The Rag. Yes. Step of approval. <laughs> Something that is not certified good, um, I, uh, I feel comfortable saying on behalf of all of us. Yeah. Is this news, so the abortion legislation bill, the news came out um, that the select committee has recommended that medical practitioners who uh, have conscientiously objected, not to war, not to anything like that, but to offering contraception and or abortion care uh, to people who do not want to be pregnant or the do not want to f- get the pregnant. The full range of healthcare. Uh are going to be able to continue to deny offering contraception or the ECP, particularly the news story came out, um, the ECP to people who have experienced sexual assault and want to get the ECP in the aftermath of that. It is something that is true in New Zealand that medical practitioners can deny you of that, which is still continues to shock me. Yeah. And they don't even, I believe, have to say, I'm not going to prescribe an emergency contraceptive pill to you, but you could go somewhere else. They can just say you um, uh, it is inappropriate to, to, to prescribe this for you. So mm. they don't even have to tell you that they're withholding a treatment option. Am I right about that? Yeah, but, that was something they're trying to get it. Yeah, there's no requirement currently for referral. Yeah, um, They can just go see it. And again, it's like, that might not all well and good, but in somewhere like Auckland, you've got options. But sure. If you're rural, if you there's one travel, GP, there's one GP in a small town who's who's not into it. It's it's genuinely kind of like a bit of a crisis. And we published this story, um, an opinion piece written by uh, the All Rands president Terry Bellamac, who was featured on on the rag before, and um, help chief executive Connor Twyford, where they are basically calling for. Um, sexual violence to be classed as a medical emergency in this instance and something that you can't object to. If someone comes in and is like, my arm's been cut off, you know, just imagine if you replace it with any other kind of dire instance of violence and unwarranted, you know, it's just like, it boggles the mind. So I'm not quite sure what happens next. I'm not that familiar with the select committee process. I'm embarrassed to admit. All I can tell you <laughs> is, that it, is that it's slow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, yeah, like they said, sexual assault happens to one for New Zealand women. This is something that isn't, you know, a little a little small event that it's kind of you can brush under the carpet. It's like we need to take this seriously and I, yeah, it's an it's a medical emergency, and yeah. it should be classed as that. Yeah, and it's uh, <sighs> it's bad enough how judgy some pharmacists can be when you go and get the ECP. I've had not just like one person, but like two or three different women pharmacists like really mm. they give sigh? you the eyeball and like the third degree. And then, like, one year I took it, like, maybe twice in a month or something, which is not mm. that much. Mm. And this woman, the look on her sour puss <laughs> when I went in there the second time, as if I was the absolute just dirt on her shoe. Wow. It's like, get a fucking look off your face. I'll yeah. take this pill as many times as I want to. Yeah, I, I would regard that as you being entirely responsible yeah. and taking care of yourself. And, and then she said this really snarky, like, will we see you again in a few weeks? <gasps> no. Get 
Get yes. out of it. It's like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> that should be illegal as well. Yeah. Being a snarky bitch to people <laughs> who just don't want to get pregnant after they had a one night stand with someone they're not really into. Because what is she hoping? Is she hoping that she's so judgy with you that you won't go for an ECP again and you'll have a baby? And yeah. ha 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 ha, that'll <laughs> yeah, teach you. That'll yeah. teach you. <laughs> Having a vibrant sex life. <laughs> That's what it's really about. She just, she's just jealous, jealous of you having sex. Can, <laughs> you can say, say it. No, okay. <laughs> can I ask when you go and get the ECP? I've never, I've never, I've never had it before. Do you? Is it a process at the chemist, or is it? Do you just get it like you would ask for? I don't know. Wart cream, which I have asked for before. <laughs> no, they they're legally required to explain stuff, so they don't just okay. hand it over and be like read on the instructions on the back. Um, they have to. I mean, it's been quite some years since they had it, so some things might have changed. But they sort of have to explain that it's two pills if you take twelve hours apart. Right. But then I, I vaguely recall they ask you some quite like personal questions that don't really. Have nothing to do with the medication. What's your favourite colour? Do, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, do yeah. you like nacho? <laughs> like they have to sort of ascertain at what like what time you had the, oh, the sex. right. Because obviously there's only a, a short window that you can take the ECP yeah, right. afterwards. Yeah. And you do this all just over the counter? Yeah. Having a yarn. Yeah, yeah. You just have like a yarn with someone in public about. They shouldn't have to ask you when you had sex. They could just say, this needs this pill needs to be taken within this yeah. time of yeah. having sex. <clears throat> you think about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You Just a piece of paper Carry with instructions one. on it would be fine. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if there's like you know how these days you go to McDonald's and it's all a touch screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't need the interaction. I just wonder if there could be something like that in the future. I mean, obviously automation is terrible and people lose their jobs, etc. But if it puts people through these sorts of Humiliations, yeah, etc. Like, I've also think I spoke on this pod before about uh, Barry, the chemist, yelling out the back when I went up to the counter. We got any Vagisil? <laughs> we got any Vagisil left? No. <laughs> and I was like, why do you need to do that? No. <laughs> I just feel like a little booth or some kind of screen. Yeah. Could be great. I mean, they probably have some sort of thing where they have to explain things out loud and you have to say As, out yeah. loud, I understand. There's but what about like a ticker terms and conditions? Yeah. Just like when you download yeah. a face app or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then don't read the terms and conditions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I accept. <laughs> um, I'm no chemist, but that is that is a tip from me. Well, I think maybe what, what we could do is make sure that we share the information with each other about which pharmacies have kind, Ooh. warm people and which pharmacies have cold, judgy people yeah. so that we go and give our business to the places where people are most likely to feel comfortable. Yeah. That's a great That's idea. A idea. Some kind of trip advisor. Yeah. But- but yeah, for, for bitchy chemists. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is copyright. Actually. Yeah, that's copyright. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cool tip, Michelle. Speaking of, yes. who's got some more cool tips Dips. of the month? Um, this is I, this isn't like you know use 
beeswax wrap or anything. I just, um, it occurred to me, I've been thinking very hard about, I've been trying to make a decision about something, about a big thing, uh, that, a project that I've been offered, and I couldn't work out if I wanted to do it, which made me think that maybe I didn't want to do it. Anyway, I had a dinner last night with my coven, um, and I started to explain what my dilemma was, and they both went, oh, don't fucking do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. And I went, oh, oh, it's so obvious to so my my hot tip is to remind yourself that you need a coven. You need um, a couple of women at least. It's, a coven has to be minimum of three who you <laughs> meet with on a regular basis who you can you, – you know the people who you don't ever ring the next day to say – really fucking sorry that I drank that much mm. or I'm so sorry I said that. Just you'll you wake up in the morning and go, well, that was terrific. Um, and they know you and they know everything about you and they um, can see things really clearly for you and you can see things really clearly for them mm. and you make an effort to um, make sure that you get together and treat it like an appointment, which is what we try to do. Which, you know, I, you, we have we haven't seen each other for two months. Mm. Let's find a date and get it organised. So yeah. And right. can I ask what you do with the coven? Is there like a ritual sacrifice? Yeah, or? we bleed things. <laughs> We bleed from your eyes. You bleed from our <laughs> eyes. That's exact. Yeah, no, we mostly we eat and drink, mm. but um, that's but there's this is minimal amount of voodoo involved. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. cool. It's a hot tip. What about you, Leonie? Um, mine is so I really like perfume, right? Like mm-hmm. quite expensive perfume, okay. but I can't afford quite expensive perfume. But I have sort of lately been working on, so I know kind of like what types of smells I like. Mm-hmm. And I like sort of woody and cedary and then the sort of more woody floral stuff like bergamot or whatever. Yes, yes. And so I've just started buying like little versions of the expensive perfumes that I like. But because they all kind of like fit within a similar like scent palette, mixing them up so that Ooh. then they become different perfumes again. Oh. And honestly, I mean, I'm just having such a nice time doing it. <laughs> and I thought if there are other people out there who are like obsessed, as obsessed with perfume as I am, then they might think, oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Because like, it is really lovely like buying like a full-sized, like expensive perfume and like saving up or whatever. But I just, I just look at them and I'm like, I don't, I just don't have $200 for mm-hmm. you. I, I have to spend that on things that I need. Mm-hmm. But maybe I have $50 for the tiny version. And then you just lose a little bit of that and a little bit of another one. And then you've just got Do you, like a custom t- scent. Tell me the practical, the practicalities. Are you mixing them on your skin or do you take them out of their bottles and put them into a new bottle? No, I just mix them on, on me. Yeah. So I'll do like a couple of drops of one on my arms uh-huh. and then a couple of drops of another on my neck and then they all just sort of swirl together and what do you say when somebody says oh you smell delicious what are you wearing I say it's not that easy (laughs) (laughs) let me consult the book no (laughs) that's great yeah I like it and then you sort of have so you know some people have like their smell because they're just devoted to the one perfume their signature Mm. their signature and I kind of feel like I found mine but it's like Five different perfumes. Yeah. Wow. And then you sort of change the levels and I don't know. I'm just enjoying playing with it. I like it. Mm. Yeah. I think you, it makes you a chemist, actually. I think so. Oh, You're a like, pharmacist now. Just a fucking judgy ass pharmacist. Can I get an ECP from you? No. Oh, 
dirty little slut. Oh, fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> so ashamed. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, my tip, it was not really a tip, it's just kind of a thing. I'm back on board with uh, dyeing my eyelashes. Woo! And I'm bloody loving it. I've taken it back because I used to go to certain beauty practitioners to have it done. And every single fucking time, I'm like, I've got very sensitive eyes. Please be careful. Please don't jam it into my eyeball. And then every time I lie there and I'm like, here comes the sting. Here come the tears. And I walk out like Heath Ledger's Joker, like full on just black tears down my face, stained (laughs) forever. Um, So I've taken it back into my own hands. And it's just, it's really quite easy and I just encourage you it also is like you save shitloads of money it costs like 20 bucks for a pack that lasts you forever amazing um instead of spending 20 dollars a time to be the joker you can do it in the comfort of your own home they, they look terrific I think yeah, I do have mascara on I will I will say that much that's all right but it's and so you than, um, have managed to not jam it in your own eyes whilst doing this. Yeah, it's like you know your own limits, you know, yeah, that's in true. a way that other people don't. I was like, I know when I go to this lash, yeah. it's going to be a problem. So I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm really into it. And it just takes 15 minutes. You just got to be careful. Put some pawpaw all the way around. So even if it does drip, you can just wipe it all off. Ah. And then it's just like, pow. Hey. This is a great tip. Yeah. And where do you buy it. eyelash dye? Great question, Michelle. Fancy? You actually buy it from the chemist. Right. <laughs> from the, not the bitch, though. The, no. <laughs> I'm really into how we're just really leaning into these gendered insults. <laughs> we're on the rig. It's just like, fuck it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I think because we've all got one particular person in mind yes. when we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, my other tip is something that I actually have lifted from um, Aaron Amog of The Bachelorette New Zealand fame, who I wouldn't class as necessarily like an on-the-rag feminist icon, who hasn't shown himself to be, but he did say something <laughs> on the show that I have incorporated into my life. Um, it came up during a, a semi-sort of tense discussion where uh, one of the contestants actually came out as being bisexual and uh, the other kind of – one of the other – kind of horrible guys in the group was like, oh, yeah, I called that. And it was just, like, really tense. And then Aaron just said to him, looked at him and was like, that's a really weird thing to say. (laughs) Nice. And it's, like, a beautiful, beautiful kind of just cutting someone down but giving them the space to think about it themselves without necessarily – explaining it and getting all hit up. Because I always, you know, when you get stuck in those moments, we talk about it all the time and you yeah. never have the right thing yeah. to say and you want to explain to someone why what they just said was uncomfortable or, or, or not right. Um, and I've been incorporating it when things have happened. I say it's a weird thing to say. That's great. And it's just, it, it puts, puts a burden pen on in it. Yeah. It puts a pin on it and it also takes it all off you to explain and just puts it on the person to go, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. What if they like say, that. why? Just run. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've done your part. <laughs> no, you could just say, I'm working this out now. And you, you could just say, think about think it. Think about it. Why? Yeah. Well, okay, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Go go see the lady you're, at the pharmacy. You're weird, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's just it's a useful with a, thing. What do bisexual people it. look like? True. What makes you say that? Yeah. No, that could be I different. It. Could, yeah. No, that's really good. That's a weird yeah. thing to say, yeah. It was just a nice little, just a nice little moment where I was like, I don't know if he intentionally that was something he just has that he says in those moments, or if he just came up with it's it on great. the fly. But I was like, it's very. Remember this at Christmas. Remember it at Christmas. Yeah. That's good. That's a weird thing to say, Uncle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, in other news, this is again, I'm, I'm, I feel like we should have maybe had a bit of a content warning. So we are talking about things around sexual violence a lot, this podcast, but this enormous study came out, uh, which I knew was kind of in the works at the University of Canterbury, which showed the extent to which uh, survivors of sexual violence are being re-traumatised in the courts. And it was this, I think they looked at 40, 50 different cases and analysed all the language and the lines of questioning. Oh, yeah, it was 40 cases in total, including 10 that were supposed to be from this new kind of pilot court, which is supposed to get people through a lot quicker, I think, with a lot less trauma. And it kind of turns out that... um, yeah, a lot of the processes reinforcing certain uh, rape mythologies and a lot of slut shaming and stereotyping. And yeah, I just sort of thought in the aftermath of Weinstein and obviously had the Grace Mullane sentencing and um, it's just a bit of an indictment. But there is also, like there's the abortion legislation bill, hopefully this year we are getting uh, reforms to the way mm-hmm. that things operate in the courts. But some of the lines of questioning that are that are being put out there still in 20, 2019, 2020 are really horrible, mm. really horrible. And I know I've got an interview coming, a piece for the spinoff, where I have been speaking to a woman who has basically talked about her experience of going through the court for her own um, her own sexual assault and the things that the, the defence came up with. And I, I sort of, I wondered if hers was an extreme and it was only when I read this that I was like, oh, she's just one of yeah. 50. That's probably one of, you know, yeah. hundreds or thousands a year. Um, but things like dredging up all your Facebook messages, everything you've ever said to certain people, yeah. and then plucking bits out and going, what did you mean here? Or um, there was one instance where she talks about she had left her dress at someone's house or, or um, had taken it off briefly, and they were like, why did you leave your dress here? What happened here? What was going on there? And she had to explain to them calmly that it was a Miss Crab dress, obviously very expensive, silk, and she took it off so she could eat a kebab (laughs) without getting perfect sense spilled on it. Absolutely. Exactly. But this was one of the defences like, you're a harlot. You just take off your clothes (laughs) everywhere. And it's so surreal. And this is something from like three years ago from, you know, it's yeah. just like, and then they're like, well, what were you wearing under it? And she's like, well, I was wearing a slip. But yeah, like, which it doesn't even matter if I was naked. Like, I just didn't want to mess up my Miss Crab dress. I think we've all eaten a kebab naked. <laughs> <laughs> There's a massive disconnect, isn't there, between the line of questioning and the assumptions that are made by men mm-hmm. and... Um, and what we understand of how the world actually works for us. So those questions like, what were you wearing? Why did you take your dress off? Why did it take so long to report this? Who did you tell? Who didn't you tell? All those things, you know, we all read those trial, the court cases, um, the reporting on them and go, I totally get that. That's what I would do. This makes perfect sense to me. But they're talked about by those Lawyers, as though they're outlier behaviours. They just don't know us. They haven't met us. Yeah. Yeah. It would be great if the line of questioning could just morph, evolve into just establishing whether someone is lying or not, and that's it. Like, Mm. there's no need to establish whether someone deserved it, because that's Mm -hmm. all of those lines of questioning are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just... You, that's not part of your job yeah. as the, you know, the other lawyer. It's not. It's just to decide if she's lying or not. 
Yeah. Mm. Stop trying to make it sound like, you know, there's like justifiable reasons for sexually assaulting someone. There are previous behaviours that led to Yeah, exactly. You deserve that. And that's exactly Mm. what the rape mythology is, Mm. is just the idea of did she deserve it in many different ways. Yeah. That's the many different faces of that. Yes. Mm. That is exactly right. You bang on. Yeah. Mm. And on that, at least, you know, this month, women everywhere breathed a sigh of relief to see that Harvey Weinstein was found guilty. Yeah. Again, very telling that uh, it was something that a lot of people weren't sure was going to happen. Yeah. Which is just... Yeah. Which is just crazy, given... We're so used the to volume of, yeah. not being heard, not being believed. Yeah. I guess there was just so much evidence that so the justice much. system was like, oh, we've got no choice. We're yeah, going to find okay. them guilty. Fine. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yay? I don't know. What do you <laughs> yeah, think? Yay. No, it is it's, yay. It's, it's weird. We've got to take the wins where we get them because we don't get that many wins. Mm. And this is, yeah, I mean, this is the... Ground zero, in a sense, um, hashtag me too story, mm. right? This is where it broke in a global sense. I know me too was around before that, but this is where it broke. And, and, the, and he's, that fucker's going to prison for up to, what is it, 27 years? Do you reckon so he is actually going to prison? This is not going to be like a home detention situation. I doubt it. The charges are too... Serious, because yeah. I, I don't think you get home detention for something that um, you could be sentenced to twenty seven years for in yeah. prison. They are felony charges, yeah. Right, so, and the judge sent him straight to prison, though of course he had a pain in his chest and went to hospital instead yeah. on the way. Um, Donna Rotuno, his lawyer, who I I hate more than almost anyone, she's on the a trip. Said mm. that she said that he took her like a man. Yeah, he he faked a heart attack and <laughs> uh, went to hospital. That's pretty much how men take shit when it's handed to them because they deserve it. I tell you, can I just quickly tell you about Donna Rotuno because she did that interview with is it was it either Jody Cantor or Megan. The the two women who wrote, mm. she said, and they did an interview with her, and she talked at the end of it famously now, um, just as only a couple of weeks ago, about how she had never been sexually assaulted because, quote, she would, I would never put myself in that position. Yeah. And, to, you know, oh. women who get assaulted, it's their responsibility. And do men have responsibility? They should get a signed um, consent form every time they have sex with women. That's the only thing that men should do. And I ride a stationary bike in my office, and usually I can ride at about 21, 22 kilometres an hour for about 25 minutes. I listened to that interview and I rode that bike at 28 kilometres an hour for 45 minutes. Whoa. I was so fucking angry. So that's the only upside to yeah, her. Yeah, that I, I got a fucking great workout. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of shitbag old men being humiliated in a court of law... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was in the Wellington High Court last week uh, watching Bob Jones um, make a total tit of himself mm-hmm. because he had a angry vendetta against a young Māori woman, Renee Maihi, who said he was racist because he is demonstrably racist. And he said, I'm going to see you for defamation. And uh, the judgment, the judge didn't end up having to make a judgment because Bob Jones dropped the case because he knew that he couldn't win. I'm assuming at some point his lawyers went, mm, got to have a word with you, Bob. I, I think they might have said that several days before he actually dropped the case. Yeah. I think they were, <laughs> like, don't you think there were a few days where they were going, Bob, 
Oh, nah. Don't, nah. Just, oh. Don't, don't, can we? You know, all that it. stuff that you said about um, Maori culture being like irrelevant and useless and dead <laughs> and that everyone agrees with you, including all the Maoris you know, I think that that's not helping. Maybe it's not working. <laughs> But the fact that he dropped the case and had to walk away was another victory, I think, mm. for women and for people who have uh, previously felt powerless against the justice system, which is meant to favour men like Bob Jones and Harvey Weinstein. Mm. Yeah. And in both of these cases, in American law and in New Zealand law, it didn't. And it felt yep. really good. Yeah. And yeah. I would like to think, in the Bob Jones case anyway, the judge was um, Justice Susan Thomas. And I'm... I'm not saying that a male judge would have given, would have judged this differently. Not that there was a judgment, but she did set a tone for that Bob Jones trial, which was very much like, I'm not here to put up with your shit. She wasn't rude, Mm -hmm. but she also wasn't, she was just like, I see through your shtick, old man Jones, and it's not going to work on me. So either just make your case well or leave. And that's kind of what they had to do. Mm. It was cool. In my honestly held opinion, she's probably not one of those judges who has spent evenings sipping cognac in the Wellington Club with Sir Bob Jones or anybody like him. She honestly seems like a G. Her hair was purple. (laughs) I was just like, I like this woman. Yeah, her hair was purple. Yes. This is very cool. I could just see her like hanging out with her mates and like <laughs> listening to like Heart or Slayer or something. Like, <laughs> she was cool. Oh, yeah. dear. So, so, you know, a yeah. couple of big, wins. Big wins, eh? A yeah, couple of fantastic. wins. Yeah. And he's still facing more charges in California. And yeah, so. Oh, is he? Yes. Yes, he's not done yet. So, okay. and he gets out of hospital. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have to go to another prison and face another court case. He should probably spend the rest of his life um, just flitting between uh, prison and court. Yeah. yeah, Sounds great. Yeah, it's yeah. a lovely retirement yeah. for him. I That's love it for him. <laughs> what should we talk about now? What about chick scientists? This Michelle? was, yeah, sorry, it, this occurred to me in the... In the shadow of uh, that um, appalling case in Australia where um, Hannah Clark and her three children were murdered mm. and and everybody's going, you know, monster, monster, what a terrible, you know, this is a, an unusual and extreme case. And then, and then I read the story about um, Ken Cochran who uh, was uh, – Quoted in the newspapers, he he um, saying that it, the reason people don't want to uh, look after white bait, or pe- people want you to stop white baiting. God, I'm not making any sense. People want you to stop white baiting, and, and all the evidence comes from chick scientists, and they should be not listened to and diminished and dismissed. So he's sa- he's suggesting that all the data is um, pointless and irrelevant because women came up with it, and you can denigrate a whole gender of um, a, a whole yeah, a whole group of people who are scientists because they're women, and that seems like the beginning. That seems like the 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 the, the soft end of a continuum that ends up with saying women are chattel and objects and to be owned and possessed. You just ignore them because they're women. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but... Um, mm. Oh, it all lives on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just chucking that shit around, don't believe these scientists because they're not men. Chucks. 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 Chucks scientists. You, know, you don't really hear chick that often, eh? No. 
Oh, you do on the West Coast, apparently. (laughs) That's great. Um, I have a a marine biologist friend, a chick scientist, if you will. Yeah. Who um, would quite often, there's like signs that go up around Auckland during white baiting season. So like ring this number to buy kilos and kilos of white bait. And so she would ring those numbers and just educate the person on the other (laughs) That's fantastic. <laughs> about what a threatened species they are. And it was just That's so awesome. satisfying. She'd do it on work time and no one cared, mm. like, because I used to work with her. She's just like, oh, I'm just going to make a phone call. <laughs> just be like, hi, I saw your sign. Here's why you shouldn't be doing this. And I was just like, That's so awesome. That's so cool. Can I just so, read yeah, you Ken's quote um, and said, I'm listening to a whole bunch of chick scientists who, if you look at the view that they were pitching, everybody in New Zealand should not shave their armpits. I'm not sure how that's relevant. Should white bait in their jandals. After they catch one paddy for tea, they should sit down, hold hands and sing kumbaya. So just dismissing people because they're women. I mean, that sounds like a good night in to me. Yeah. That sounds fucking great. We've sung Kumbaya on this We actually have. have. We've basically done all these things. Uh, uh, we just white bat and to share a single white bat patty. Stop shaving. Single patty for the chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh there. Go on my next placard for whatever the next <laughs> single patty for the church. <laughs> and the, just in terms of media coverage of that, when he was uh, told to resign because he's stupid uh, and clearly no good at his job on that particular committee, uh, the headline in the newspaper was that he had been forced to resign and that uh, for being outspoken. Mm. Not asked like to leave for being dumb. Being a dick. <laughs> Those are quite different things. You're really yeah. different, right? Yeah. 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 Stupid old man loses job <laughs> for being fuckwit yeah. as the headline I would have written if I worked at the Herald. I don't know why oh I don't God. get a job there. She get you in, you know, when they get like celebs to come in and do a guest edit for a day. <laughs> <laughs> Just get Michelle to come in and slash all the headlines. It's all swear words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, it is an interesting consideration talking about just broadly kind of media framing as well. Um, that horrific event in Australia. Uh, that man whose name I literally don't even know and no. I don't want to know being described who, you know, murdered his children and yeah. his wife. Um, being described as a footy star, ex NRL player, yeah. a loving and dedicated father, um, and not. Yeah. You know? It's unbelievable. What yeah, that he was a really good dude who snapped one day. No. Yes. There's a real interesting, that piece, uh, I can't remember who wrote it, forgive me, but talks about the good bloke who snapped thing and, and also says we need to kind of find a place between describing the loving, dedicated father and then also, like you say, the monster, monster. thing. Because then that others it and makes yeah. it seem like that came out of nowhere. Yeah. What? Domestic violence? What? Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just calling things for what they are yeah. and not necessarily placing these weird... And so, yeah, because it is connected in my mind to dismissing chick scientists. It's mm. on that continuum. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like describing Hitler as somebody who was very fond of cats. <laughs> that <laughs> aren't. not really <laughs> relevant and not a piece of information we need. Um, just, you just reminded me of that. 
bringing back to that that facial hair diagram that I was talking about at the start of the podcast, in all of the moustache diagrams, there's also one that's very clearly a Hitler moustache, <laughs> but they call it the toothbrush. And then someone just retweeted and they're like, oh, that's what we're calling that now? <laughs> this is not a style of facial hair anyone yeah. has had since the 1940s. Yeah. Probably doesn't need to be covered. It's a very comprehensive diagram if you haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, shallst, we talk about what we've been watching and reading this month what that we have found is. interesting. Who would like to go first? Uh, yes, you. Oh, d- no, you. No, you. Uh, uh, you're going to talk about the legend of Baron Thor. I met him. He's six foot six. John Toohey? Yes. Oh, my God, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So this is this, um, this is at least of a, a feminist recommendation and more of a brown excellence recommendation, but I recently went to see The Legend of Baron Thor, and it is a um, film with an entirely Marnie Pacific cast and crew, and it's directed by Kyle McNaughton, and his uh, partner, Kerry Wackier, produced it, and it's just, it's, it's brown excellence from top to bottom. It's also an incredibly entertaining film about a legendary South Auckland wrestler and then his son, sort of who has moved away to Australia and become a bit bougie, has to come back and remember his roots in Manurewa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like an amazing tribute to like 80s era WWF and South Auckland, and it's very funny. And um, the main actor, if you're into boys, is kind of worth going to check it out for him Uh alone. He is a beautiful man. (laughs) Um, But also incredible performances from um, Jay Langaya and uh, John Tui, who plays Baron Tua. Mm -hmm. And his character is just probably... The most lovable and entertaining character in all of New Zealand film history. Ooh, just wow. putting that out yeah. there. Wow. They're cool. Um, but I am going to say, I do need to rewatch it. I am going to say it possibly doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Right. It's a bit of a sauce fest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make you very proud to be Polynesian. Mm, that's I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, can I take my granddaughter to see it, or is it is it? It's a bit violent. Okay, all right. It is a bit. It's all sort of punchy, punchy WWE oh, wrestling okay. moves. Violent. Yeah. Although mm. one guy does have his leg broken in quite a mm, I can graphic way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It depends on her yeah, yeah. capacity yeah. or yeah. whatever she's into. Yeah, she's coming this weekend. I'm just looking for fun things to do. <laughs> Nana Mishy would like to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I went to see a play as part of the Auckland Fringe, which is on at the moment. And it's, I, it's kind of silly to do this because it's finished. It was only on for three nights. But it really um, blew me away. It's uh, Catherine Dallahunty, Green ex-Green MP, and her sister Sarah Dallahunty, who's been a, an actor for the last four 40 years, I guess. Um, and it's called Hashtag Us Two, and it's about their lives. Uh, starts with them in their bedroom, their shared bedroom in the 1950s and growing up in New Zealand, being part of the feminist movement and um, green activists and theatre practitioners and working in television. So their lives. And so it's um, it really struck me that... 
I have not seen two women in their 60s, late 60s, telling their life story on stage very fucking often. Yeah. And it was so delightful. There's a lot of – it's quite raw. It's really personal. Um it's very sweet. It makes you angry. It makes you sad. It's very funny. But yeah, women of that age don't often tell get to tell their stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't get characters written for them. They don't get cast in things. So these two made a show that is um, is them telling their stories, and it was really cool. And there were um, Marama Davidson and Goldie's Gutterman and um, Chloe Swarbrick. It was opening night. They were all in the front row. So it was exciting too. (laughs) (laughs) And it's at the basement. It's really intimate. And afterwards they all came, you know, they came out, they wore pyjamas for the whole show and they came out in their pyjamas and had a glass of wine with us. And, you know, it was just really women telling their stories. That sounds cool. It makes you wonder how, yeah, it makes you realise how how infrequently that happens. So it was very cool. So I I don't know if they're taking it on the road. I think they did it last year and this is a reprise of their season for the Fringe. But if they're taking it anywhere else and you see the Della Hunty sisters doing hashtag us too, then please go see it. Cool. Yes, it sounds wonderful. I have a terrible recommendation. This is not a feminist (laughs) recommendation. This is not something that is um, you're going to learn anything from. (laughs) But it might make you feel like a slightly better person. Love is Blind on Netflix. The reality television program is probably the stupidest reality television show I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of shows. (laughs) And I spent all of Saturday in my pajamas much like Adela Hunty with a glass of wine, just watching the show and scoffing and laughing. It's to- If you just need to turn your brain off for a while and watch people just being idiots. The premise is basically it's house full of women, house full of men. They date, <laughs> but in a pod, and they speak through a wall, and they don't see each other. So it's a bit like The Voice? It's a bit like The yeah. Voice. It's a bit like The in Voice. In the circle. And the circle. It's a fusion of all the new modern things. Um, but it's just so funny because they just sit there on a couch just talking to a wall. And yet it's somehow extremely compelling. And they all fall in love within, hmm, eight hours? <laughs> and you're getting proposals. You're getting the craziest what? shit ever. Yeah, so they propose to each other and that's when they meet. Is at <laughs> Oh, that's the, that's the, you have to pass that hurdle before you're allowed to meet someone. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they have to propose in order to meet. Yes. Are they allowed longer than eight hours, or do they just choose? Oh, they're to allowed just as long as they want. But these people are just keen, <laughs> yeah. keen as hell. But what's quite interesting about it is, like, on paper, if they had done it differently, it's sort of an interesting premise that you fall in love <laughs> in whatever time frame you want with someone who you never see. Um, meaning, you know, it's like appearance doesn't really matter. Whatever, it's all about your your soul. Whatever. But they've cast entirely extremely attractive, you know, conventionally attractive, young people that it kind of takes that that interesting element away from it at all. And it's like, this is just basically... I mean, I suppose it does stop it from being like a kind of a gotcha experiment if they're casting some conventionally attractive True. people and some not conventionally attractive people and then having like having yeah. people like, like fall in love but the then geek. meet and then she's like, oh, he's so ugly or something. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that would be really degrading for the yeah. not conventionally attractive person. So this is true. Maybe that's a blessing. This is true. I just want to see all normies. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, true. All normies just bumbling around and not these real sort of, they're just all, yeah, they're all hotties. Oh, my God. I went to a bar restaurant last night and you won. Mm. 100% of the staff were blonde, blue-eyed, like Nordic models. It's delicious. Yeah. And the service was top-notch, but it was really buzzy. Just these How beautiful people just gliding around like some kind of Aryan utopia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so insulting, but honestly. That would put me off. I would, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't want to hog into my plate full of hoo-ha with, um, with all these. The hoo-ha is very good there. I heard. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's my favourite dish. With all these gorgeous people, I'd be looking at them going, I'll just be up to my elbows oh, yeah. and uh, nosh now. It's, I know. Oh, no, I don't give a shit. I ate that burrata cheese like it was going out of fashion. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, it's just weird, is all. Beautiful people are weird on mass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're not the first person to make the observation about that. Like, right. So that's just why I kind of knew. There's a bit of a mythology around it, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. It might be a story. Anyway, uh, speaking of stories, what have you been reading? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have nary touched a book this month. <laughs> I am re- I'm having a lovely time reading. I'm, uh, I'm reading Renee's These Two Hands, which came out a couple oh, years ago, Renee. 2017. Um, and it's uh, fabulous. It's a memoir. So Renee... Uh, if anybody doesn't know who she is, is a, uh, a playwright and novelist and poet and um, an all-round amazing woman who is now 90. But when she was 88, she wrote this memoir, which is made up of not chapters, but patches. So it's like a it's like a literary patchwork quilt. And there are bits of her plays and there are her poems and bits of her prose, but also just her telling stories from different parts of her life. And it's like snuggling up underneath a patchwork quilt. Mm. It's Mm. so comforting and it makes me feel like I'm in a conversation with a very interesting person who's sweet and lovely and has her shit together. And I love it. It's making me really happy. It's helping me sleep. It's good. So highly recommending these two hands. It's a great recommendation. Um, I haven't started reading it yet, but I was given for my birthday uh, Things I Don't Want to Know by Deborah Levy. So I think I talked earlier that um, I'd read two of her books over the break, um, The Man Who Saw Everything and Hot Milk. Um, But this is like an autobiographical, one of three autobiographical books about, and the first one's all about like writing and being a writer. So I haven't read it, but I've heard Mm. it's very good. I'm very excited to read it. Nice. Yes. Things I don't want to know. Um, I have been doing strictly internet reading this month, um, and I've been really enjoying the work of a journalist called Taylor Lorenz, who I think used to write for The Atlantic and has now moved to some fancy new, maybe The New York Times, who writes basically entirely about internet culture and particularly TikTok and traces like the origins of these massive kind of dance crazes that we see and has just written something about how all the new wave of political activists are on TikTok. And it's terrifying because I don't know what the fuck she's talking about most (laughs) of the time. (laughs) But I'm glad that someone is doing that work because it's like a whole kind of unexplored area that I think 
think is just not really taken seriously, mm. these, like, new apps and just young people in general, sure. you know, and she really takes it seriously and just goes real deep and, yeah, unearths all this stuff that's just, like, no one else is even bothering to look at. So if you're into that kind of stuff, I recommend giving Taylor Lorenz a Google. She wrote this amazing thing, which also freaked me out, um, at the kind of around New Year when they did this sort of retrospective looking back at the 20 years of the um, Park Millennium. Millennium, yeah. And she was looking at now there's like a whole strand of teenagers that are like Y2K teenagers. Uh-huh, like they yeah. love Y2K yeah, fashion and culture because right sure. they were born after. after that. Oh, my God. So now they deck out their rooms with like posters of like Chad Michael Murray <laughs> and – <laughs> and like, yeah, and all the heartthrobs from like the Y2K era, and they have those little like pink portable CD stereos. CDs are like a collectible. It's terrifying, but it's just quite awesome as well. To oh, see I just it. sold all my CDs like, for yeah. nothing. You can sell them to teens for a hot price at the minute. Wow. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, Taylor Lorenz, strong, strong recommend. Um, I do actually, now that you've said that, for some good uh, online reads, mm-hmm. um, I read this really interesting review of Gia Tolentino's Trick Mirror. Um, It's by this writer called Lauren uh, Euler. It was on the London Review of Books. And it's it's quite a scathing review. And there's a lot to disagree with. But Gia Tolentino um, tweeted it herself. It was quite a good shady tweet, but she was basically like, I've had so many good reviews, a bad one is quite refreshing. Everyone should read this. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, and it's really great. So I, I think it's really worth the read whether you agree with it or not. Lauren Euler gets maybe a little bit mad at Gia Tolentino for being pretty and having friends. Right. <laughs> which is probably the most baffling part of the review. But if you actually dive into the other stuff that Lauren Euler has written for the London Review of Books, she's an incredible writer and I just found myself very happy that there were there's a a woman critic engaging seriously with a woman author's work Mm. like men do yeah you know it's like it's not Mm -hmm. someone bitching about someone's book it's it's criticism it's proper criticism in really like respected publications and I felt really happy about that and so I don't necessarily agree with the review. I'm just mm. really pleased that there's, like, a really great young critic. She's, yeah, I think she's about the same age as Gia Tolentino, Lauren wow. Euler. So there's this young, smart, super engaged, really scathing. Like, she's really fucking mean, and it's quite wonderful. <laughs> Love um, Another really great piece that she wrote is about um, astrology and how that's, like, the millennial Bible, but Lauren Euler thinks it's all bullshit, mm. but her reasons for why are quite compelling. Not complete bullshit, but anyway, um, she's just really worth uh, looking at, I think, if you want to someone. Yeah. How do you spell her surname? Uh, O-Y-L-E-R. Okay. Euler. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's also a great piece by Alice Webladall uh, producing this podcast at the moment about astrology, which you should have a read of. Do it. Pisces season. Pisces season. Is that what it is? Yeah, I guess is that so. it yeah. right now? Yeah. All righty, let's finish up with a Kia ora Queenie celebrating uh, some awesome feminists who did some cool things this month. Uh, I would like to nominate Golruz Garaman, who yes. this week uh, opened up on the project and shared uh, her diagnosis of having multiple sclerosis. It was an extremely, extremely brave thing to do. Yeah. 
And uh, she, I put the quote here that she said, it's important for New Zealanders to know that their House of Representatives is representative. We come with all sorts of different lived experiences and that includes disability and healthcare needs. The MS community deserves that. So I thought Amazing. it was just... Yeah, I was absolutely She's gobsmacked. Cool. Totally. Yeah. Bravery and coming out with something so vulnerable, you know, in an election year, it's all, yeah. yeah. I mean, she gets a lot of stuff. <laughs> I like it she? that she picked her moment because I totally. think she got the diagnosis 18 months ago and she uh, didn't talk about it until she was ready to talk mm. about it when she and had lived with it yeah. and understood it better. And yeah. it makes so much sense. It's mm. a smart thing to do. It's a really smart Maybe thing. Maybe because she's a fucking smart lady. I think that could be a fucking it. smart lady. And another smart lady is Kanoa Lloyd, who um, took the the challenge of speaking out against her employer um, over Dancing with the Stars and uh, survived death threats and increased security at work and I mean there was a lot of stuff happening in her place of work this week that was that would be very difficult to deal with and so yeah I'm really proud of uh proud of her that sounds really patronizing I am really impressed with her for for being as outspoken as she is and has been before yep Mm -hmm. Toe took her that. She continues to use that platform for good. Yeah. And yeah. uh, my Kyoto Queenie for this month is Renee Maihi, who I talked about just before, who faced off against rich old man Bobo Jones in <laughs> a court of law. And in my eyes, she won. She maintained her dignity and mana throughout. And he said a lot of really terrible stuff about her. Mm. Did the same thing that you were talking about, um, about those lawyers where his lawyers went through her Facebook and just gave Bob stuff to sling at her, like about how she wrote about being depressed about six years ago and single and wanting a boyfriend. So he slung every kind of piece of shit at her. She didn't say a goddamn thing about him except for her opinions on mm. his racism and then she spoke about her papa and her experience with racism and how she wanted her son to grow up in a better world and it was, she just was amazing. She just held it together and stood up for all of us. So yes. she's definitely my Kia ora Queenie this yes. month and for many months to come. Kia ora Queenie, what a lineup! What a Man. lineup! Yeah, yeah. What a pod. We've reached the end. I want to stress as well that we are going to do, we've got a March podcast coming as well. Uh, this isn't our last on the rag podcast uh, right now. We're going to have hopefully a boozy celebration. We're going to get drunk and cry hey. in March. <laughs> and sing Kumbaya and yeah, not share not about our outfits. Hog and the hoo-ha or whatever it was that Michelle said. <laughs> <laughs> Just before. But thank you for sticking with us to today and always. Oh, God, here I go. Here uh, I go. It's been an honour. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back in March. And I implore you, if you haven't yet, do uh, keep an eye on our YouTube channel and watch all our, um, the On The Rag web series and get ready for season two because we're coming in hot. Hot. Hot as hell. Ta-ta. All right, we'll talk to you next month. Hey, tēra marama. Matiwa. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate.
The Spin-Off Podcast Network.